Hey everyone, welcome to the UWA Alumni Network podcast. My name's Jordan Ding from the Young Alumni Network Committee. I'll be taking you through uh, this podcast today with Gary, who is a engineering manager for Spectre. Gary, can you tell us a little bit about yourself in terms of your background and your journey uh, since UWA? Well, I graduated back in the uh, mid-80s in engineering. I'm an electronic engineer by background. Dabbled a bit in computer science. It wasn't really called that in the day. I think that started the year after I graduated when software was still punch cards and uh, I think the Commodore 64 might have been just on the scene back (laughs) then. So, yeah, I I really involved, uh, I I guess, really keen on technology from a young age and saw engineering as a way to get into that. And since I've left UWA, I've sort of dabbled in everything from silicon chips to telecommunications and really stayed in the... I guess the development side of tech. So I haven't worked, uh, you know, I've worked primarily in new product development, a lot of startups, mm. uh, you know, and scaled those from very early concept right through to market. So you yeah, really enjoy taking new technologies right through that journey. Mm. It's a very inventive career path, as you described it. Mm. What has led you in this career path so far, I guess, from an entrepreneurship standpoint? Predominantly chance. Mm. <laughs> so I, I graduated and went to work for uh, Telstra initially. Mm. And they, were, they came to UWA in the day and recruited and they were in telecoms and they did their own design. Mm-hmm. They made their own products, not, not like today. And, you know, so I was very keen to go there and it was a pretty good job for an electronics graduate. And I think I was on the job for a day and a half and the person that ran the graduate program there came and tapped me on the shoulder and said, uh, we've invested a bunch of money in this research project at UWA and they need a little bit more money, but we don't want to give them money, but we're going to think well, with might second some staff, mm-hmm. would you be keen to going and joining them? And I said, oh, well, which group's that? And they mentioned this telecommunications group at UWA that I knew very well. A lot of my professors were in that group. I said, sure. So I ended up back at UWA about a week after I graduated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, worked on that research project as a Telstra employee for about 18 months. And then that company, uh, well, that group at UWA raised some venture money and mm. created a company and I went and joined them. So that was my start of venture yeah. and, we and go. startup. So really a bit serendipitous. I didn't plan it, it just happened and I, I kind of enjoyed it, so I kept doing it. Yeah. Mm. So taking the opportunity so they come towards you then, you might say. Yeah, well I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of the world you saw when you were coming through WA, is there any chance that you saw the future beyond you as you were going through the system? No, not not a chance really. I mean I, I was dabbling in all this new technology, but you know, it just seemed natural for me because I'd been playing around new tech for you know even high school days, mm. just something I enjoyed doing. But you know, I, I definitely didn't see some of the changes that have come since. I mean, if I look back, trying to explain the tech we have now to somebody 30 years ago, 20, 30 years ago, mm. yeah, it's just amazing how much it's changed. Yeah, and what would you say is the biggest change that you've seen in the technology space and how, it's, how has it impacted your career? Oh, look, I think, I think the biggest thing for the whole worldwide is probably the the web you know the internet you know mm-hmm. that whole fact that anyone in the world can share communications now yeah and that's gone through you know since the web now we've got mobile apps but the whole one way or another is communications the fact that mm-hmm. the world's a much smaller place now for uh, generally for better sometimes <laughs> for worse but generally for better so gary uh even since you've left university, you've remained part of it to some degree as well. Can you elaborate on your involvement with the university since then? Well, I've done, well, the first startup I did was out of UWA as it happened. Mm. And <coughs> I probably led me down the path of thinking that was uh, something you could do over and over again. So I've been trying to do it ever since with both UWA and Curtin. And I've learned that it's actually not as uh, common as I'd once thought. So. Mm. 
I've, I've been involved in probably three startups now from the university sector. Mm. And I thought it was time, uh, I, I guess, to get involved on a more, uh, I, I guess, charitable give back level. Mm. And I joined Convocation to, uh, I guess, get involved in engaging uh, outside networks with university. Mm. Uh, that's one of the things I'm very interested in, particularly with how to form that bridge between university research and commercial opportunity that I've been so lucky to be involved in. Mm-hmm. Would you say that the relationship has improved over time between those two spaces, between university research and the industry as well? I, I think it has, but there's still you know a, a long way to go, I think. I think both sides have acknowledged that. But the university, I think, is... Or universities generally around the world are moving more from the sort of chalk and talk teaching mm. uh, to you know looking at what they can add on top of the you know basic teaching experience mm. because these days of course students can go online find the best uh, you know lectures in the world to uh, you know download and look at mm. so you know I think universities have to grow beyond I guess what they did maybe two decades ago mm. and you know they very much are engaged in looking at how they can help students. Uh, in their career after mm. after that uh, you know initial degree who are some engaging or inspiring teachers to you uh, either at uwa or away from that later on in your career well a couple of the professors that I, I went through with that then uh, i was engaged with in qbsx were quite inspirational mm. uh, a because i saw they had a lot of passion for what they did they managed to i guess take that outside of university uh, grow a company that ended up selling to very major international clients mm. telcos around the world including lights of AT&T and uh, Siemens and Alcatel. Mm. Uh, so, you know, I, I saw the fact that they did that uh, just because they were passionate about it and that sort of inspired me to, you know, I, I kind of got caught up in that. I guess your journey right now has been one of opportunity, mm. but if you could change one thing in the journey you've had up to now, what would have that have been? Uh, probably to invest in Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's something we all have a record yeah, yeah, of at yeah. this point. Well, I, th- I think I think generally, uh, you know, y- you see what was successful in hindsight, but even when you're living in it at the time, you know, I live right through the whole web thing, mm. dot com boom. At the time, it seemed kind of crazy, but uh, you know, picking the winners is always hard up front. So uh, mm. I guess I'd like to go back and pick the winning paths, but I'm not sure that. Uh, I'd have any more chance of doing that if I went back to today, right? It's, yeah, it's exactly. all very easy to see in hindsight. It's really hard to see as it's developing. Definitely. Mm. I guess a good question to ask to following on from that is, can you see any similarities between the .net.com boom of the uh, 2000s to the, what you might call the blockchain and crypto boom that we see today? Oh, look, it's writing, yeah, it's a very similar technology cycle. It starts off where it takes years for people to really appreciate it. I mm. mean, Bitcoin was around for a while before it got all the hype and went crazy. And and the same with the dot-com thing. I mean, the internet was around, you know, w- I was at uni and there was very basic web crawlers and stuff around. It was only when Netscape uh, and Mosaic came out and the first web browsers, then ultimately Yahoo and Google, and then it really accelerated. Mm. And then a couple of years after that, every company jumped on board and it got hyped. Mm. Money poured in, it went crazy, expectations Mm. you know went up people invested huge amounts of money and lost it yeah. and everyone thought oh that was a waste of time but then of course it settles down again and people find the real need for that technology mm. and of course we can't do without the internet today of course and i think yeah. similar with blockchain i mean the whole cryptocurrency thing at the moment you'd have to probably call a bubble i think mm. a lot of it will end in tears <laughs> but out of that will come some enduring use for the blockchain 
that we'll probably look back in 10 years and you know be part of our life and we won't even question it but uh, mm. right now we're sort of somewhere between that top of the hype mode and total disappointment which will probably come over the next 12 months or so <laughs> <laughs> and, and then it will you know slowly rise back to being uh, you know something quite useful mm. Mm. so being in your position of expertise and seeing all this happen around you what advice would you give people in the uh, current day and age surrounded by all this opportunity oh look i, I just think you know embrace it i mean uh, it's really hard to map out your future i think particularly when you're at uni and graduate to figure out where you're going to be in 10 years time so just sort of follow the opportunities that come along mm. um, you know uh, there's always a thing about following your passion but sometimes uh, you just follow the opportunities in front of you and see where it takes you mm. and you know there's plenty of time to change path if you're on the wrong one so I think we kind of think we should map out their whole career mm. and you know to be honest I don't think I've ever been able to do that <laughs> <laughs> so I would advise anybody you know just just sort of go where you where you take and take the opportunity have the experience if it doesn't work for you move on try something else you've you know, got plenty of time to settle in yeah and you mm. definitely embody that Gary definitely <laughs> from the experience <laughs> that you have so Gary you talked about before about the connections between research and um, industry mm. uh, another challenge in the industry right now of course is the connection between conceptual technologies and bringing that to market as well what have you done to close that gap in, in your career and try and make that um, a reality in terms of technologies that you've worked with in terms of taking that technology from research through to commercial opportunity Correct, yeah, yeah. well i think i think a lot of it is about uh, being involved in early stage research i get a kick out of seeing people use it so mm. to me it's not so much about the money-making side of the commercial return. It's about the fact that it gets out to the market and people get their hands on it and use it. And it's not just written in a research paper, forgotten about, and you mm. move on to the next thing. So, you know, I think that's the thing I, I love is trying to find how the market would use this to solve a real problem. Mm. And I think that's always a challenge for, you know, uh, researchers to find an application. Mm. You know, they're, they're often very good at solving a, uh, you know, a bit of, they've got a bit of tech, but then they're looking for a, you know, a problem out there in the marketplace that tech can be applied to. Mm. So, you know, that that's sort of the area I've played in. I think that's where, you know, if I was to advise anybody doing research to really think about how your technology would be deemed useful by the wider community and mm. then get involved in it because there's a lot of satisfaction when you see something you've uh, created actually being useful in people's lives. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, and embrace that more than the, you know, the the money commercial side of things that you know that that often comes as a result but uh, mm. it's not the driving force i find i, mm. I completely mm. agree and i guess a good following question you talked about the lessons that researchers could learn from industry mm. are there any lessons that the industry could learn from researchers in the rigor that they possess in the work they do from your experience yeah look often you know i think industry looks for you know they have a problem and they look for they want a package solution for it uh, mm. i think probably the one thing they can learn is to open their mind a bit to discussing what's available you know at the research level mm. and working more interactively you know to, or to iterate between that research and that uh, ultimate solution they want rather than just going oh it doesn't exist exactly as i want mm. move on right yes <laughs> yeah you know it, it, yeah it's, it's a little bit about uh, both sides working together to craft that ultimate solution mm. Mm. so gary you talked about convocation earlier can you, for someone who is inexperienced in that area and that space, um, as an alumni myself, can you provide um, an explanation of what it is for uh, people out there? Well, convocation is a kind of unique thing to UWA and a couple of other universities around the world. It's essentially the alumni of the university. So as a graduate, you're automatically a member of convocation. And it's just the UWA has an act where 
convocation is part of the University Act. So convocation, being the, the graduates university, gets to elect a council, which I've recently come on to, mm-hmm. and they have a formal role in, uh, well, traditionally the governance of the university. They play a role in electing some senators of the university or putting forward members and various other th- things in terms of uh, you know, the formal university governance. And that's changed a little bit over the years, but that's the history of it. Mm. And today the council's more about uh, you know, trying to help advance the goals of the university, mm. you know, reach out to networks, et cetera. And, and uh, you know, as graduates of the university, they always like to see the university do well and help out where they can. So. You know, if you're a graduate of the university, you are a member of convocation. So, you know, get involved. Uh, yeah. You know, and this, this alumni thing is one way to do it. Mm. <laughs> great advice. Great advice. Get involved in any way you can, helping the uni. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that, Gary. Yeah. Um, really appreciate coming in to uh, share those wise words. Mm-hmm. Uh, for everyone out there, um, you can meet Gary Pennyfather at the Career Cafe on April the fifth, and we look forward to seeing you there. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for downloading today's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Are you interested in volunteering? UW provides you the opportunity to mentor a student, organise a reunion, or even help at a graduation. Visit our website to find out how you can make a difference today. 